It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to On The Rise, a podcast about female college tennis players on the way up. On The Rise serves compelling stories and unique voices in women's college tennis. This is your host, Perry Shinen. In this episode of On The Rise, I will be speaking with Oregon women's tennis alum, Jasmine Miner, who competed for the Ducks while launching her own talk show on Duck TV. Led by head coach Paul Reber and assistant coach Maya Kovacek, Jasmine represented the Ducks on and off the court before pursuing a broadcasting career. Now, Jasmine works as an investigative reporter at Wish TV in Indiana. Please note that this episode discusses sexual assault, starting at the 10-minute mark. Hi, this is your host, Perry, and this is another episode of On The Rise Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jasmine Miner from Oregon Women's Tennis. Jasmine, how are you? Good, good. I'm doing well, just, you know, busy with work stuff and have only been in Indy since June. So I guess I haven't really even been here a year, but it's been good. It's been good. So tell me about this current gig. So this is just news, correct? Yes. So I am currently an investigative reporter for Wish TV, which is Channel 8 in Indianapolis. I took on this job starting in June. It's my first full-time investigative job. So I've never, I've always done, I've always been general assignment. And before that I was, you know, sports commentator for a while with tennis, but I think I really took on this job because I love doing in-depth storytelling. Um, I really enjoyed the stories where I really got to sit down and talk to people and get to know them and spend time on it. Kind of more like documentary style, if you will. And I think what really inspired me is uh, before Indianapolis, I was in Cincinnati where I worked for WCPO, it's just channel nine there. Um, and I did a three-part sports series where I, um, I interviewed essentially just different black athletes. And the idea was to get a look in what it's like to be a black athlete going through pretty much everything that we were dealing with, with the pandemic and mostly George Floyd and the social justice issues. And I think that's what really inspired some of my investigative stuff. And that was really, really awesome. So I was really proud of that project. And then I think that kind of transitioned into where I am now. So cool. And I mean, you do incredible work. And, you know, I've seen so much of your work and obviously, you know, follow your work as a journalist, but also as a former athlete now news reporting, what has that transition been like for you? Honestly, it's been good and bad. Um, I think the hardest part for me, because in particular with tennis, you know, it's a bit different than I think most other sports, right? Like for us, we start at a very early age and at a very early age, we're pretty much training as professional athletes. You know, we're traveling the world, you're by yourself, like there's no like team. And I think a lot of people don't fully understand what all it entails. And so I think for me, the hardest part was it was a different mentality coming out into the real world, if you will. Like, for example, you know, when we were growing up, it would be a bad thing if you weren't competitive and wanting to be the best and training like that was a bad thing. Right. Like in real life, when I came out, you know, of, of college and I stopped playing, 
that's not always like seen as a great thing. Like, you know, I was seen as, well, you're overly ambitious. It was hard for me to get used to that environment where in one environment for like the last 20 years of my life, I mean, if you weren't wanting to be number one, it was kind of like, what are you doing? And as a woman, do you think that you were labeled kind of as quote unquote, overly ambitious coming out of college because of tennis or because of your own personality? I would say both, but I think my personality was tied to what I knew. And I, I also think being a black woman in the workspace automatically, you kind of just get some labels on. And now I remember even my, that my last year in undergrad um, with the other journalism students, some were not very nice to me. I'm not going to lie because here I am coming in zero experience and I just start a show. And I think even going into the workforce, it was, it was very similar. Like I, I won um, an Emmy in my first year on the job, which was great. And I'm very proud that I did that. But I remember after I won that Emmy, I remember kind of hiding it a little bit. Um, Like it was on my resume, but I didn't really talk about it because I noticed that after I won it, there was just kind of a shift, if you will. Um, Like I remember before I actually won it, you know, people kind of treated me as like, oh, she, you know, she's young and she's great. Let's train her up. You know, she's only had a year under her belt of being in the industry. You know, let's, she's got some talent. It's good. And then after I won it, suddenly I was seen as like overly competitive or there was just a shift in the room. It was just, that was hard. That was really hard. Um, And there are some instances where I will say like, it was almost like the success hurt me. And so I think that was probably my biggest challenge coming in both as a woman and a black woman and being someone who had very little experience, but was very motivated and wanted to do well, that that wasn't always seen as a good thing. And I had to really learn how to navigate those waters. Really speaks to your character that both you succeeded so early and you saw what was happening. I mean, there are not that many people like you who are willing to share that part, that non-glamorous part of the business. And for mm-hmm. you, you know, wh- what is your motivation now? Because you've been in the industry, obviously, you know, a, lo- a lot more years than me. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've obviously covered so many stories. And what drives you? At this point in my career, I think... I really love giving people a platform that don't have one. I like finding the people who, had I not found them, had I not put them on TV or told their story, their story probably wouldn't ever be told. And I think there's a level of importance there. I think with our day and age, um, there's a level of need for great journalism, for hardcore, for factually accurate journalism, because there's just so many things that are happening that are so important. And so what are your goals for what's next? You know, I think, honestly, tell great stories, be nice to get a few other Emmys under my resume if I can, you know, that'd be great. But I just want to be really in a place where, you know, I get to do bigger and bigger stories. I mean, I think really the end goal is to be able to do whatever story I want, right? Like when I find something and I want to do a documentary, great, I can do the documentary. But I think getting to a place where you can do stuff like that, you can think outside the box versus just the minute 30 packets that you're putting together for the five o'clock. So I think the dream is to be able to go outside that. 
literally I could listen to you talk about this industry all day because every time that we talk, you inspire me so much. So I appreciate that. I really do. And I would love to shift to your time at Oregon and, you know, talking about just your experience as a player and what was that like for you? It was tough. I was going through a couple of different injuries at the time. We also went through coaching changes, which was really tough on me. I've had three coaches throughout my college career, you know? Yeah. Cause I transferred from Georgia tech for two years and we had a coaching, like my freshman coach had left and then we got a new coach sophomore year and then going to Oregon was a different coach. And, you know, for such a small team when there's only eight girls, um, I think that was definitely tough on me. Um, and I think I was personally also going through um, just a really tough time in my life. And it really had nothing to do with tennis at all, but it carried into tennis. You know, it was one of those things where I personally just felt just very lost in life, just figuring out who I am and what am I doing and where am I going? And I definitely had a tough time. Um, And I think honestly, maybe that's why I cared so much about some of my journalism stories, because a lot of what I was covering Um, was things that I was dealing with on a personal level too. And I wanted to showcase that. I wanted to showcase, you know, injustice. I wanted to showcase racism. I wanted to showcase uh, discrimination. And those were things that I faced, I think, throughout my career, but became very heightened when it came to tennis. You know, would you say that the college environment hurt that or helped it? In my case, it hurt it. I don't think that's the case for everybody though. I really don't. But in my case, like my freshman year, I was the, well, I was the only freshman. There were four seniors. (laughs) When I started college, I wasn't even 18. Um, And to be honest with you, I kind of acted like a kid. You know, I don't know. I was la-di-da and I just wasn't, I mean, I grew up, but, um, but I was also the only black girl. And I was used to being kind of the only black girl with, um, you know, tournaments with the USTA and stuff like that. You know, Sloan Stevens was there. I mean, she'd kind of be the only other one that I would see, or Madison Keys would be the other one. But you didn't really see a lot of us. You really didn't. Now I think that's changed a lot, but at the time it just wasn't. And I didn't, I don't think I realized until I got to college how much that that impacted me. Um, in talking about getting my hair done or how it works. You know, a lot of the things that that I think we talk about now, you know, they just weren't things that really people talked about when I was going through college. And I think, you know, and and that was part of the reason why, you know, I I ended up leaving tech. But, you know, and I've talked about this before, but like I was sexually assaulted when I was at tech and that was a huge impact on me moving forward it got to the point where I I couldn't even play. I went from very aggressive to just very timid, very unsure, very not confident. Like you could see it, you know, and I couldn't, I just, I needed time to heal. I needed time to take a break. And I didn't feel like I necessarily got the support that I, I, I really needed. Like I really needed it. But again, you were talking about an era where this was before me too. This was before people talked about social justice. This was before this whole conversation on you don't have people of color working for you. You don't have people of color on the team. You know, like this is before a lot of that. So I think navigating those waters, I had a very difficult time doing that. 
Um, and tennis was good until I stopped playing well. And then when I stopped playing well, then it was like everything else added up on me. Um, and being 18, 19, 20 and going through that, you know, away from home, that was very hard for me, which I think is also why I'm in journalism. Um, I think a lot of that has to deal with that. If I can give someone a platform and a voice where when I didn't feel like I had one, that means something to me. You know what I mean? I think mental health is like a huge topic now, which is awesome. Um, I think going to therapy is not seen as looked down upon. You know, I kind of felt like it was when I was going to, when I was in college tennis. Now it seemed like, why aren't you in therapy? You know, why not? Like, take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Like, even if you don't feel like you need it, it's like, great. It's a great once a month thing to do. Um, so I, I, I just think things are just a little bit a little bit different. And there are certain conversations that people are having that I don't feel like were had, or if they were, it was kind of swept under the rug a little bit. I definitely had a tough time navigating that for sure. For sure. I'm so sorry you went through that. And I mean, as a former college athlete myself, it, I mean, although it has changed the conversation around sexual assault, Mm -hmm. we still have to hold the schools accountable because it's not easy. It's not easy to, you know, to find those people and to hold them accountable. And so did that end up being resolved at your university? Did, did you tell people? I did about a year and a half later, um, mostly because people couldn't figure out like what was wrong. You know, I remember um, Brian Shelton was my coach my freshman year. Um, and then he went to Florida the next year. I remember there was this moment at practice where he looked at me like, why do you have such an attitude with me? Like, what is going on? And I didn't even understand it because I wasn't mad at him. But for some reason, my reaction to, because my assault happened with an older man who um, was significantly bigger than me. And um, I was reacting to an older man. And boy, did I have an attitude <laughs> and, but I couldn't explain it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't understand. Cause I, I loved coach Brian and it honestly wasn't until a year and a half later that I figured it out at that point. No, it was never resolved. And I think, and I think the struggle was there wasn't a lot of room to deal with what comes with that. Um, but I think now people are more understanding of that and more accepting of that versus I think at that time it was kind of like, all right, we know you went through this, but you still got to act this way. Right. And I personally couldn't get myself there. I just couldn't. Um, I do think though that hurt my, it hurt my tennis career. It hurt my friendships. It hurt a lot of my relationships with my family. It, it, It did a, it did a big number on me in a way that I wasn't even prepared for. Um, and then I think for a while, I definitely blame myself because I watched so many other things kind of fall apart and I blame myself for not being able to handle all of it. Um, and on the same time, um, some of my teammates didn't believe me. So there was that too, you know, people learn more about what consent means. I think a lot of people thought consent or 
not consent was like someone had to like throw you against a wall or like pull you into an alley and like that like it's very dramatic kind of thing and that's not always the case um and so i think we, we've learned we've come a long way and we've learned a lot more but i would say between not being fully believed not being able to feel like i could tell anyone not having evidence and then not even being able to explain why I was reacting in certain ways um, or why I couldn't play. Like just, I mean, I was gone on the court and I just, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, it was like, it was like, I was afraid to hit the ball. Like, you know, and like, and I'm an aggressive, like extrovert. I mean, I'm just, and I'm like, I'm timid. I just, it was a totally different Jasmine. And then having to go over to your coach and your coach is trying to figure it out. Right. But you can't like, you can't mentally get there. So I think, I think between all those things and honestly, just being young, that hurt me big time. So, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, moving forward, I think mental health is so huge with, with athletes, especially with individual sports, man, the way we talk to ourselves on the court, horrible the burden we put on our shoulders, my gosh. I mean, we are tough on ourselves, especially women, man, we are rough. (laughs) Like, I mean, if you just, if you listen in to what we say, like when we're going to like get the ball in the back after a point, I mean, we are mean to ourselves, like really mean. (laughs) Um, So I think there's just, we have to be willing to take care of ourselves, take care of each other. I also will just say with sexual assault, it's been documented that in 3% out of all cases, 3% women are lying. Now, if you compare that number with how many cases are actually won in a victim's favor, it's very rare, right? So it's, I think there definitely needs to be a lot more understanding, but I would also say there needs to be, you know, training for everybody, um, for men, for women on what this means, what that looks like, what consent is like, things like that. Cause I do think there's way too many times in college, whether you're an athlete or not, where things get very blurred and they do not need to be blurred. So like, I encourage, you know, anyone who's experienced that for sure, like seek help, um, I know colleges, they have, um, you know, different people you can go to now. A lot of colleges have like psychiatrists that they have for athletes and stuff like that now. I mean, this is the space where we're so vulnerable in college. And it's like, it's kind of yeah. like the final straw situation where like, I feel like any straw could be the final straw that like kind of breaks our backs. Right. Like, <laughs> so it's, so look, sometimes when you're going through things, it's not always easy in that particular environment to share. But I think that's what's so cool about, you know, how things are changing now, you know, where you see more, more and more athletes speaking up for each other. Yeah, that, that was, that was a hardship, but now kind of my journey is being able to help or being able to give a voice to other people who have gone through either that experience or a a similar experience where they felt silenced in a way. Then you, you left the campus, you went to Oregon Mm-hmm. a new place. Did you feel that you got your body back and your game back? No, to be honest with you, after that happened, I don't feel like I ever got my game back ever. 
that was very hard on me because I loved tennis. Like I love tennis. Like I loved playing. I loved competing. It was all I dreamed, all I talked about my entire life. And I was in a position where it was like, okay, I'm doing what I love, but I hate it. And nothing to do with the sport at all, but just, I just couldn't, I, I, yeah, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever got it back. And, and that's the thing about trauma is that, a new environment, a new place doesn't heal trauma. All you're doing is just carrying it to the next place. You have to deal with trauma. You have to face it. You have to, you have to legitimately heal from it. New people, new place, new school, new sport, new career, whatever you're talking about. It's, it's, it's like a ticking time bomb before things that are in the dark can come to light. Right. Um, it's going to surface eventually, (laughs) Um, and so I think that's, that's really important is that, you know, you have to deal with trauma. Um, and, and I, and I think that's also why I kept saying, you know, why it became really important for me to cover stories where athletes weren't just seen as athletes, because we're not just athletes, we're human beings that are going through and dealing with things. And that all plays a role into our sport. And even when you see somebody who is maybe better than me of compartmentalizing and having that tunnel vision of like, okay, I'm going to leave that all out of whatever is going on. It's going to focus on the sport. That doesn't necessarily mean everything that they're going through just disappears. It just means it disappears until the clock runs out or the last point. And then it comes back again. I, I, that's why I say like mental health, taking care of yourself, seeking help is so, 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 so important. It's so important. And I feel like if we take that, you'll get not just better athletes, but better people and healthier people at the same time. I mean, you, you truly, you, you have the insight and it's, it's unbelievable because not many people do at any stage of the game, but especially where you are to be able to put yourself back in that situation. I mean, and share your story. You know, I hope that whoever listens, you know, can really get a lot out of this, you know, because yeah, I Yeah, absolutely. Did. Please, please. Just, you know, it definitely reboosted my faith and, you know, I like what I'm doing now and, you know, I, I feel like you're kind of always on a little bit of a healing journey, honestly, with stuff like that. But, you know, if, if there's anyone out there who um you have need advice or anything like that, like hit up Perry to hit up me and, you know, I'm I'm definitely here, but, you know, the overall message is just keep going. And, and know that there's a time and place for every person, regardless of what your ranking is, regardless of whether you made the NCAA tournament or not. Tennis is a beautiful, wonderful sport, but it is not the definition of you. And that's important to remember that there's so much more goodness to you than what you do or do not do in a sport. Still go for your dreams for sure. But don't don't let sport take so much of your identity. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I mean, this has been incredible, truly. Thanks, Perry. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you. My name is Jasmine Miner, and I am On The Rise. This has been an episode of On The Rise, a tennis channel podcast in partnership with Behind The Racket and produced by Molly Schulson. Join us next time to continue our conversation about women's college tennis. This is Perry Shinen on the rise. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual assault, 
please contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673.